street? Yeah. Lord God, we just praise you and we thank you right now, Lord Jesus. We are the people that you have chosen to do something great in this land, Lord God. And right now, Lord God, I just pray that as we look into your word, that you would just show us and remind us how even in the weary times, Lord God, how much you have set these things up in a way that brings your glory to the earth and that you've set it up in a way that requires humans to play a part in this, in this, this whole story. That you picked individuals and each individual you picked has a specific purpose and has been given both to uh, our, our names, our faces, our likenesses, everything that we are. The enemy knows who we are. But more importantly, you have given our names to those whom we will bring to your saving knowledge. You've given them our faces, our names, our likenesses. We just don't know it yet. And I thank you and I praise you for that tonight, Lord. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 10. So God gave me three specific words, and I couldn't decide which one to start with because they're all similar in nature, but they all have something just a little bit different. So the next three weeks, you're going to hear some similar things, but with some very interesting twists. And I'll make sure that they are all posted on the podcast so that they can be um, gone back and listened to because I have a feeling that they're going to be a little meaty at times and you might have to go back and listen and say what was Joseph saying? What in the world was he talking about? Acts chapter 10. Now here's what I want you all to understand is each of us has been picked and chosen. We are his workmanship. We are a craft that is built by him. We have been built with a specific purpose with the likeness of Christ and with an understanding that Christ loves us. But what we don't always understand is this, is that not only have we been chosen by God, but he has given our names and our faces and our likenesses to other people. And they don't always know who they're looking for. The bottom line is this, is you may be the closest thing to Jesus that somebody will get before they get it. Before they actually get what they need to get from God, where they reach the throne room of grace. We are that thing that God is going to use to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ. We have to understand this. Because whether we like it or not, he will use us for his glory. Peter found himself in such a situation. And I want you to keep track of some things that happened to Peter through this story. Acts chapter 10. We're going to spend our whole time here in Acts chapter 10. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household. And he gave many alms to the Jewish people and he prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him. And said to him, Cornelius, I'm going to stop right there for a second. How many of us would just love to have an angel just come to you and tell you everything you needed to know? Just in a vision. Even if it scares me. I, sometimes I say, Lord, I don't care. Scare the heck out of me. I, I would like to have the angel come down and just be right there so that I could say, tell me what I need to know. 
And yet, it doesn't always happen for us that way. For Cornelius, it did, though. And I thought I, thought I found it very interesting, because Cornelius, he doesn't know Jesus yet. He fears the God of the Jews. He gives alms to the God of the Jews. He prays to the God of the Jews. He has reverence. He believes that the God of the Jews is real. God of the Jews. God the Father. The Father of Jesus Christ is who he chose to worship. And let's, let's, let's face it. Centurions and Romans, they would worship all sorts of things. They were, they, you know, this is Zeus worship. This is, this is a time when they had a God for everything. But this man, he chose to, to, to worship none of the gods that his forefathers worshipped. He chose to worship the God of the Jews. And this angel shows up to, to Cornelius. He doesn't know Jesus yet. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within him yet. So this angel shows up to him. And it says in verse 4, And fixing his gaze upon him, and be, being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And I want to stop right there for just a second as well. Did you know, every alms that you make, every sacrifice that you put yourself through, whether it be physical sacrifice for the, for the glory of the Lord, whether it be a monetary sacrifice for the glory of the Lord, it goes up to the Lord in a memorial, in a memorial alms. It's a sacrifice unto him. And because this, this person didn't know Jesus, did right, did good, his, his service to the Lord came up as a sweet offering. That should give us some hope because regardless of what you, what you may think about yourself and what you may think of where you're at, God knows everything that you've done for him. Notice that it doesn't say, you know what, everything that you do bad for Anilus has come up to me and it smells really, really bad. He, all he focuses on is these good things that Cornelius says. And let's be honest, Cornelius is a sinner, right? He's probably done some horrible things. Thank God that he has an aroma filter. And sometimes he can only smell the good things that we're doing and doesn't focus on the bad things that we're doing. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to fix those things. As Cornelius was about to find out, he didn't know everything that he needed to know. He knew a piece. He knew a sliver. He knew, he knew a, a, a small portion. And that's important, though, because sometimes we only know a small portion. But that small portion is enough to open up a door for us. There's people out there. There's people specifically. We're gonna, God is going to start to give us the information that we need to reach these neighborhoods in Thornton. All through Thornton. I don't think part of Thornton is ours. I think all of Thornton is ours for the taking. And North Glen. And even pieces of Westminster. God is going to start to give us ideas. But more importantly, he's going to start to point people our direction. Let me show you what happens. So verse 5. It says, and now dispatch some men from Joppa. So this is the angel talking to Cornelius. And send for me a, a, send for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with a certain tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel was, uh, who was speaking to him had departed, he summoned two of the servants and devout soldiers of those who were in constant attendance upon him. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the next day, they were on their way and approaching the city. 
Peter went up on the housetop, and about the sixth hour, he started to pray. So he gets this vision from God. And what does God give him? He gives him what we all wish God would give us sometimes. Specifics. Give me specifics. You know, the specifics aren't for us. we got to stop worrying about the specifics and prepare ourselves for when someone walks in. I will tell you, the most embarrassed I've been as a minister in my entire life is when I didn't know how to handle that young man that came on my birthday. It was very awkward for me. I did not know what to do with him. And I can tell you right now, I don't know that I handled it the way that God would have handled it. I didn't assume that God gave that person me to tell him the truth. I assumed that he walked in and he was drunk and he wanted some, some type of handout. And he stayed for a while because he wanted something tangible. Well, we've got something tangible. We've got to change our minds. Yeah, I'm always looking for the specifics. Or God, give me the specifics on this man so I know specifically what to say, specifically how to handle it. No, instead I felt uncomfortable. I felt out of place. It threw me off for the whole first 20 minutes of the sermon. I'll tell you what, you can go back and listen to that sermon if I ever posted it, which I did not. You can throw out the whole first 20 minutes because the whole first 20 minutes was me trying to figure out what am I going to do with that one individual when I have what I've always wanted, a room full of people that have to listen to me for a whole hour. But no, I had a tough time. One person threw me off. And I'm telling you, that, that guy, I hope he comes back because I got something for him. We've got something for him. We've got something for witches too. I don't know if you know this, but witches are going to come back. But they're going to come back on, on different terms, different ground. There's a reason why certain witches haven't come back through the door because we've prayed over this building that anybody that walks through that door that is hounded by witchcraft will be delivered upon entrance. That's why. I'm going to tell you, some of them are going to come back. They're going to get set free. They're going to get healed because we have something for them. They don't need to make me feel uncomfortable anymore because I got something for them. We got Jesus. I got a boldness moving forward to be able to look at somebody who suffers from the affliction of, of believing in pieces of witchcraft and I can say would you like to be set free of that and then do it it'll save us time in the long run too we don't have to wait for them to just kind of wander out on their own we're going to get them Cornelius was given Peter's name his address the sinners are going to be given the specifics we're going to be given a peace. Why? Because we walk by faith. Peter, he goes up to pray. It says on the next day, verse 9, on the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop and the six-hour pray, and he became hungry. Like, has anybody else ever suffered from that? There's two things that happen to you when you start to pray intently. You become hungry or you become very tired, right? The two kind of go piece by piece. And I'm going to tell you, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes I get the best words from the Lord when I actually fall asleep. Dreams, visions. This word right here was specific, given to me while I was uh, asleep. I started to think about it, ponder it in my sleep, and all of a sudden I was, I was understanding things about this story that I never understood before. 
So Peter goes up, he becomes hungry, and he desired to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. What did I tell you? You got tired. He fell into a trance. And behold, the sky opened up, and a certain object, like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up to the sky. And now while Peter was greatly perplexed, which, let's face it, that's how it happens for most of us. We don't get the specifics like Cornelius got. We don't get, go to 7137 Fenton Circle. We don't get uh, the church with the, with the thing over there at the place. There's going to be a guy, his name's Bob. You're going to go in and you're going to talk to Bob. And when you talk to Bob, Bob's going to give you something specific that you need. No, we get a picture of a sheet coming down from heaven. Now we look into the sheet, and in the sheet are all sorts of animals that you would never eat. You'd never eat a snake. You'd never eat a lizard. You wouldn't eat these unclean animals. And especially if you were a Jewish person, you wouldn't eat these unclean things. And this is what Peter is getting from the Lord. Not only is he getting something from the Lord that doesn't make complete sense, he is getting something that is actually challenging his religiosity. It is challenging his, his comfort level. Like my comfort level was challenged when that young man wandered into the building. We get the uncomfortable, weird wacky visions while we're hungry and in a trance, while Cornelius, the unbeliever, gets a specific word from the Lord. It doesn't seem fair. But it's the way God moves, because we walk by faith, not by sight. That means that we walk by faith, not by specific addresses. We walk by faith, not by, hey, tonight, Joseph, someone's going to come in and they're going to look kind of scraggly, but guess what? They're going to be saved, delivered, and be the best evangelist that you've ever seen. No, we get, we don't get that. So Peter's perplexed by this, which I can imagine. He's like, what in the world was that? All this unclean stuff is here before me, and the Lord tells me to get up and kill and eat. And I tell the Lord, no, I don't do that. And he says, don't, don't call something unclean that I've called clean. You ain't never tasted bacon before. It's delicious. Amen. 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 And so, see, now Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be. Behold, men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And they called out. And they were asking whether Simon, who is also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, greatly perplexed, probably wondering, I wonder what bacon does taste like. Well, Peter, it's delicious. <laughs> the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. But arise, go downstairs and accompany them without misgiving, for I have sent them myself. And Peter went down to the men, and he said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message for, from him. And so he invited them. 
and gave them lodging. And on the next day he arose and he went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on, following, on the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And he also called together all of his relatives and his close friends. And when it came about that Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter said to him, uh, raised him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. And as he talked with him, he entered, and he found many people assembled. Do you understand that the next time that we go out and we hand out flyers, there is a distinct possibility that somebody that we run into has already been given our information. They've already been given, hey, you know what? You're going to get hope today. You're going to receive something awesome today. Makes it a little bit easier on us. Yes, we have to get weird visions from the Lord and we have to scrap through things and try to figure out what the Lord is telling us now and here and build our faith and receive things as though it's a hidden code. But when we go out there, they've already been given the information. And by the time we've processed everything that God gives us on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, it's going to mean something to them. It's going to mean something to the people. And we're going to be able to say, oh, you know what? Ah, that, that dream I had of a divine, heavenly cheeseburger with bacon meant something to this person right over here. Because this whole story, what, what God was telling Peter was this. Don't be afraid to go and tell, tell the truth to people who you normally think are unclean. Gentiles. Now, at this point, the only people that were being saved and delivered and healed and walking through the gates of the kingdom were Jewish people. Not Gentiles. And certainly not Romans. I don't know what they had against Italians. We're okay, right? Amen. Amen. Hey, you be, quiet. you be quiet back there. I don't even know what your nationality is. American. You're, you're outnumbered by one, two, three, four, and some halves of Italians. You know how we deal with folk, especially Irish folk. I'm just kidding. So Peter goes, and not only did he get one, he didn't just get the Cornelius, he got the house of Cornelius. This man was so excited that God had given him a vision. Now get this for a second, you've got to catch this revelation. Because this is how easy it's going to be on us here shortly. I don't know how we're going to fill this building. People are going to bring their families. They're going to bring their friends. What are we going to give them? That's the thing that I've always been hung up on. The part that I've always had a difficult time wrapping my head around is when all these people come, what do I give them? When there's a room full of 40 people, what do I give them? When out of all the 40 people, most of them love Jesus, but there's that one that needs Jesus, what do I give them? That's the part that I get stuck on. I don't feel like I really have anything to give them. I don't, I, if they don't know Jesus and they don't know the love and power of God, and, and, and it's right there before their eyes the way that we understand it, what am I going to give them? But I always assume that everybody has at least heard the story once. 
Truth is, people may have heard the story. People like Cornelius, he understood God. And Peter, when he starts to tell him the truth, the gospel, he tells him in the same way that, that, that I feel when I preach the gospel. Listen to how Peter says it. He says, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with foreigners or visit him, visit them. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Let's stop right there for a second. How does Peter know that these people know that? He said it, but guess what? Maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know that Jews aren't supposed to associate with Gentiles. I'm assuming that they probably did. It was probably a well-known fact. But that's the way I am when I preach the gospel. Oh, obviously you know, uh, you know about God, right? Obviously, you know about um, angels and demons and, and, uh, and witchcraft. And you, obviously, you know these things, right? And then in verse 29, he says, that is why I came without even raising an objection. So he's basically telling them, I had this vision. The Lord told me it's okay for me to come here. And Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. Sorry, I skipped something. And in verse 29, it says, that is why I came without raising any objections and why I was sent for. And so I asked, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter says, why did you send for me? Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour. I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and the alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And opening his mouth, Peter says, now listen, he does it again. I most certainly understand now that God is now not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the son of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. Now listen, listen to this. You yourselves know the thing which took place through all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism of John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. It's not that he's not telling him the truth. It's that he keeps starting it off by saying, you know this. If we assume that people have heard this before, it's unlikely that we will tell them again. Peter just was kind enough to just, oh, I'm going to just repeat what obviously people already know. They didn't know. They needed to know. How do I know that they didn't know? Because, because an angel came to Cornelius and told Cornelius to send to Peter so that Peter could come and tell him all that he knew. Why did he need Peter to tell him what he already knew? Because he didn't know. That young man that came here on my birthday, he, he, he talked a good talk. He told me, oh, I know this about God and I know that about God. And then he continued to act like he was in a Catholic church. 
He did three things that night that, that showed that he understood Catholicism very well. But he didn't know the truth. I had an opportunity to tell him something he didn't know. Why? Because I figured he already knew and I was just going to do what I normally do instead of stopping and telling him what I should have told him, what I know. Don't assume that everybody knows what you know. Never. Because what you know can save somebody. It says, and, and how he went about doing all the healings. He says, okay, yeah, you know. Look, I, it even puts it in these, in my Bible, it even kind of slants it. You know. You know of Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power and how he went about doing the healing and healing all of the, that were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And, and we are witnesses of all the things that he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him. For he arose from the dead and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who, was, who has been appointed by God as judges of the living and the dead. We are appointed to be witnesses to the people. What, what does it mean to go and to witness to somebody? We have these fancy terms that we learn in, in, in Sunday school and at Bible college, going out and witnessing. But what does it mean? It means that we go out and we tell people what we've seen God do. How easy is that? You don't have to tell them, listen, I'm going to convince you that God exists. That's pointless. That is not our job. Our job is to witness to the people what we've experienced for ourselves firsthand. You know what? God healed somebody in our church service. You know what? Jesus saved me from this, this, and this. You know what? I used to be addicted to drugs, and I'm not anymore. That perks the curiosity of, of the people who hear it. You tell somebody, I'm not addicted to drugs anymore, and they'll look at you and they'll say, yeah, you are. You just don't know it. Until you show them. You say, no, no, no. I, 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 here, here's my story. Let me tell you my story. That's witnessing to somebody. Tell them your story. So Peter, he starts to get into a groove and he starts to do what he's supposed to do. He starts to tell the story. That's what we need to do. We need to start to tell the story. Be willing to tell somebody your story. That's witnessing to people. You may not know it. You may not know that they got something out of it until they come to you later and they're like, you know what, I need what you have. I want what you have. Give me what you have. Peter goes on in verse 43, says, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who were listening to the message. And all of the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. Can you imagine this? If we just tell somebody, if we're willing to tell somebody our story from start to finish to start, start to present because it ain't finished yet. From where we start to where we are right now, if we're willing to tell them, this is what Jesus did for me, here's who Jesus is to me, here's what Jesus can do for you, and all of a sudden, people are receiving the Holy Spirit. 
without even opening their mouth, without even asking for the Holy Spirit. These people were not, were not, were not Jews. They were not circumcised. They were not part of the disciples. They, they were part of, a, of a, a different culture, a different time, and a different place. Cornelius even worshipped the God of the Jews the way that he would worship the God of the Romans. He gave alms, he gave gifts, he gave good things. That's how they worshipped. That's how they still worship. He didn't ask for it. God gives him a picture of a person. says, Peter's going to come. Go get him. Peter's going to come and he's going to tell you what you need to hear. And that's all you need to do is you just need to hear it. And as soon as they heard it, imagine that. Exactly what God says. You're going to hear it. That's what you need. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. It says, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these people to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for a few more days. Listen, God has given somebody your name. There is somebody that's going to come to you. There's lots of people that are going to come to you. You know what? We were given your name. You don't have to wonder if you've got something to give them. You do. You have a story. Simple. And when you give them the story, they're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine? That's what we're going to do here. That's what I should have done with that young man. I should have assumed that I didn't have anything for him. I should have assumed that my story was enough. My story and testimony of who Jesus Christ is was enough to save that young man. What God does to us, for us, through us is enough to save people. I don't have to package it. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to say, you know what? We've got a church that has 150,000 people. We've got people that watch online every week. We've got money pouring through the doors. We're doing so good. I don't need any of that. I'll, I have what I need. I have a story. And someone has my name. And when they come and they ask me to give them the story, i got to give them the story. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it beautiful? That Cornelius didn't have to chase the gifts of the Spirit. All he had to do was obey and believe and trust and hear the story that Peter had to say. So here's my challenge to us. Kill and eat. Kill and eat. That is what God said to Peter when he was praying. He saw, he looked, and Jesus said to him, kill and eat. And all kill and eat means to us is this. Tell your story. Be prepared to tell your story. Wake up every day ready to tell your story. It may be a short story. It may be the story of what your week was last week. Let me tell you what God did for me last week. Let me tell you what God did for me last month. God will tell you which part of the story to tell. That's the beauty of it. When you're in the, in the midst of it and you're right there and you've got somebody in front of you, he will show you which part of the story is important. That's easy. I, you know what? That's a heck of a lot easier than going up on the side of the road and have to chase somebody down in the hospital like I did the other day when God told me, hey, go tell that person that everything's going to be okay. That was difficult. This is easy. We can do this. Be prepared. We're going to go out and we're going to do flyers again as it starts getting a little warmer. And be prepared to tell your story. 
When somebody says, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're passing out flyers for our church. Because Jesus is good and he's done this for me. And we believe in what we're doing there. And we have something for you. Be prepared for God to tell you, you know what, I have a ministry for you to do. Here's what I want you to start doing. I want you to start bringing food and collecting it. And I want you to keep it here because someone is going to need that. And be prepared for it to be given to you in weird ways. Zach, we've, we've had many conversations. You've had a lot of weird dreams lately. And to you, they feel weird. But then they make total sense when you tell me, oh, yeah, that means God's going to do X, Y, Z. That's going to be great. Be prepared for God to give you something in, in a weird package. And expect when he gives you that weird something in a weird package, it's going to test your religiosity. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's going to go against everything that you thought about something. It ain't going to go against God's word. If that is, then that ain't God. You know the test. You know how to test something by the word, by the spirit. If, if it ain't doable in here, then don't do it. If you can't find it in there, pray hard and find it because it's in there. Lord God, I just ask, Lord Jesus, right now that you would begin to give us visions that would test us, that would perplex us, but would show us how to give our story and who to give our story to. Lord God, and I just ask for the revelation to be given to those that need something from us. I rebuke fear of people having my name and my, my number, and my face, and that I would start to understand and realize that I have something for them. pray for this whole city right now, Lord God. Lord God, I ask for the city as an inheritance, Lord God. We've done a lot of work, Lord God, breaking down walls and demonic strongholds. Now, Lord God, we ask for the people. We have something for them. We have something for them. Zach, so do you just want to strum on the guitar a little bit? We'll just pray. We'll just pray. If, you, if you feel led to sing something, sing something, but... Let's just, let's just pray a little bit. Let's pray for the city. <clears throat>